Welcome to the Speckled Truth Podcast. This is the only show dedicated to the conservation of the trophy trout population from the East Coast to the Gulf Coast. Here, we go below the surface to discuss what happens when science and anglers work together for a cause. So gear up with the crew as they talk about all things big speckled trout. Get ready for the slimy, salty truth, better known as the speckled truth. Hey everyone, I want to welcome you back to the Speckled Truth Podcast. This week and next week, we're going to have a part one and two of Captain Richard Rutland from Mobile, Alabama. This is an episode that I recorded when we were present for the Biloxi Boat Show uh, back in February, March timeframe. So it's a little bit dated. To that end, though, it's a really good episode where uh, Richard and I, who've fished actually a lot of redfish tournaments together, or, or against each other and I got to know each other over the course of time. And so really, really good conversation. And I want to invite you to listen to part one and in next week, part two of this two part episode with Captain Richard Rutland. Take care. Hey everyone. I want to welcome you back to the Speckle Truth podcast. If you hear certain items or things in the background, that means we're at the Biloxi boat show and we're in kind of the carryover room, if you will. Uh, they have popcorn, coffee, whatnot. I say all that to say uh, we're here at the Biloxi Boat Show, and I have an awesome guest today, and that is none other than Captain Rich Rutland. Rich, brother, welcome to the show, man. Hey, thank you for having me, man. I uh, kind of getting chills being on this thing with you, man. It's kind of cool. I've heard a lot of a uh, lot of legends, a lot of legends, a lot of great stories, a lot of a lot of depth to uh, to your uh, to your message, to your show, to your following that you have here, man. I'm just absolutely, uh, honored and thrilled to be here and, um, get some, uh, get some good conversation, get some good content going out yeah. there today. So those not familiar, right? Cause we have listeners up and down the coast in Texas. And, and so I'm over here, Biloxi Boat Show, Rich Rutland, Captain Rich Rutland, uh, guides in, in lower Alabama. And, uh, you're probably like, Chris, uh, how do you know this guy or how this name come about? We fished against each other. Uh, for a while, and y'all always kicked our butts, <laughs> you and your pops, and we could well, certainly talk about pops, right? But um, we fished a lot together, and and we've had some conversation because, right, you were in the Navy, if I remember yep, right. That's yeah, that's right. And uh, through those conversations, waiting for weigh-in, see if we made a check, and we never did, and y'all always won them. But uh, my, my point to that is, man, it's funny how uh, that relationship has kind of come a little bit full circle because uh, you've done a lot on the lower Alabama coast for conservation and, and kind of CCA, their tagging program and, and so many things. And maybe at the time I didn't know or ask cause we were fishing redfish tournaments, but I didn't know you were as much into speckled trout as you are, as you are. Yeah. Well, uh, back when, back when we were trying to battle it out in the, uh, the Gulf coast anglers association, you know, when, <laughs> yeah. uh, Dwayne, Gunny, uh yeah. when, uh, when Dwayne Mills was cooking us hot dogs at the end of the redfish tournaments, I used to look so forward to, you know, uh, at the end of a tournament. Yeah. I was a redfish nut back then. I just discovered Louisiana and started to, uh, started to do the redfish stuff, but I always kind of been like a little bit of a trout hound, um, but, uh, man, I was trying to think about, uh, I've heard you talk about, uh, you and, uh, uh, Brandon, uh, Tread Treadway, yeah, yeah, Treadway on here. Uh, what was y'all, what was y'all's team name? Black Spot Fishing. Yeah, that's right. I was trying to think of what it was, man. And I, what did he call his boat that, did he have a name for the boat? The, the, the green one? Oh, I call mine the mullet smasher. Okay. But, uh, his, um, all we knew at the end of the, 
At the end of a tournament, it looked like a damn bar room. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was everybody up. It looked like uh, uh, beer cans and mud all over the place at the end of one of those things. We used to battle it out back then. And that was a stiff competition, man. Oh, yeah. And I know you'll talk about him today, Bobby Averscato. That's right. Yeah, Um, that's who was always kicking our butts back in the day. That is correct. Him him and Scott Ritter, man, golly. Kyle Mitternight, Paul Smith. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. Barney White. Yep, Barney. But yep, Barney's still hard at it. Yeah, he is, second man. in the Elite Series uh, this past weekend out of Slidell. So uh, Barney's still hard at it. Man, it's it's amazing how just a little local GCCA tournament, right? A little kind of association team, if if you will. How much talent minus us, right? That was in there. Um, fish in those events man and, and nikki savoy yep, i think it, t paul fished a few that's and, right and uh what i always kind of what I, kinda, one thing i always kind of chuckle about looking at the uh at the redfish series uh back in the day was how many alabama teams used to be relevant you know what i mean yeah. coming over and fishing against the louisiana yeah. guys you know like a lot of times you'd see you know half of the checks that got cut in the field were, were to Alabama teams, you know, not, you know, not that we're any better at fishing or anything, yeah. but Pat Richley, y'all had some really good oh, talent, yeah. man. Yeah, I mean, you had, you had to, you had to bring your A game over, over, to, uh, over to the redfish, redfish, uh, country. Yep. But, uh, as far as the trout fishing goes, always been like, you know, since I was a little kid, you know, just, uh, some of my greatest memories being like 10 to 12 years old, were just fishing off the seawall with my dad, um, down at our Dolphin Island house in the springtime, we used to throw the uh, my favorite lure back then was a, uh, a Lunker City Arkansas Shiner. You know, yeah. was uh, was was the uh, was the Dugum lure. I used to hoard those things and buy them up, spend like my last five dollars in my wallet when I was twelve years old when I'd see them in in the store or whatever. You know, and um, kept, you know, and and then and then it kind of grew from there. We were. Uh, uh, when I was younger, we always were offshore guys. My dad grew up as an offshore uh, offshore fisherman, you know, had like a uh, uh, an offshore well craft and then a hydrosport and an ocean master. And uh, and then when I was maybe about probably probably about almost driving age, 14, 15, we bought an inshore boat and, uh, you know, started getting a couple of guide trips with some of the, uh, you know, some inshore guides. Captain Bobby was one of them that mm-hmm. I can remember going with and um, – starting to learn that and man it just it just it just grew from there as far as the inshore inshore stuff went did you join the navy out of high school yeah well i went to uh i went to college for a year okay. out of high school and uh kind of figured out i needed, had a little growing <laughs> up to do and uh decided to join the navy and um went in uh went into the navy as an aviation structural mechanic and uh was in a helo squadron a, a h60 squadron for uh for about four years um deployed once on the uss eisenhower over to the middle east mm-hmm. um pretty much did my deployment came back got right out of the navy got back in school at south alabama and while i was in south alabama i started uh uh went to captain school at mm-hmm. night got my license and then uh got always got a chuckle about getting my uh captain's license i got my license came in the mail on april 28 2010 which is eight days after uh you know the uh the oil rig blew oh, up in the gulf yeah. you know so that was yeah the bp the so horizon, that was yeah, deep yeah rough rough start for <laughs> captain here <laughs> getting my guide career going but uh but i made it through and uh man it's just been it's been a uh, it's been a ride, yeah. you know. It's been a ride, brother, I and mean, it's been it's been very, 
very fruitful, taking me a lot of places I never thought I'd ever gone. Yeah. And so that's, I think, the the joyful component to this entire deal, right? And the fact that we're sitting here today is to kind of, again, kind of see that full circle. Uh, but aside from that, man, like seeing how, you know, waiting on blast off and, and talking to you and your pops about where y'all fishing and, and us being like, damn it, they're, they're probably going to beat us to that area. But uh, <laughs> my point is, is um, from that little tiny conversation to this one about one, you know, your professional career, uh, but how much you've kind of, again, transcended that career from maybe just a guy entering the business to doing so much. Uh, you're part of your own kind of podcast and podcast platform with Butch Theory, uh, the Alabama Fishing Report. Uh, you're very active on social media. You're very kind of uh, a little bit of a, uh, or a lot, I don't know, you tell me, but uh, to some extent, um, very relevant and from a conservation and understanding more about kind of tri trout movement and things of that nature in the Mobile Bay Complex. So um, how, I mean, talk to us a little bit about, you know, that evolution and, and was that something you ever envisioned? Man, not really. Um, you know, just kind of like I said, with like with my background being, uh, well, I see my background, my roots as a kid being uh, going offshore and anything you catch going in the box uh, type of mentality just, you know, it gets in your brain and, and, and you don't really think about it, you know, um, until... I don't know, I guess until you get outside factors kind of tell, telling you different things, you know, mm -hmm. and whatnot. And um, with, uh, I owe a lot of credit to the, to the, to my involvement with the mobile JCs and the Alabama Deep Sea Fishing Rodeo. I've been in, in the JCs for 14 years what now. JCs is for everybody else listening. It's a, uh, it's, it, I'm not, it's an acronym, but it's for the Junior Chamber of Commerce okay. and it's a national leadership organization. And uh, we have a, a chapter in Mobile that has three different projects, and the Alabama Deep Sea Fishing Rodeo is one of them. And uh, we're going into our 89th year this year, and I'm the uh, Rules Committee Chairman. And uh, But that, that has given me an opportunity to uh, see what the University of South Alabama Marine Sciences does down there and they come down and even though we're killing a lot of fish during a three-day tournament with like four thousand anglers yeah well um, it's a i think it's the south's largest tournament it, fishing. Yeah, it's the world well at in, well, world, at, yeah. at one point we were deemed uh in the guinness book of world records as the world's largest fishing tournament oh, wow. back in 2011 so um so but anyway from all those fish that come in that we get a ton of science you know and that started you know that really interests me because obviously I was a, i'm a fish head so I'm over there with the scientists more than I was ever with the uh, with the way in, yeah, yeah, with, the yeah, with the yeah with the rodeo guys, you know, and learning stuff and developed a lot of relationships. And then now for the past probably uh, seven or eight years, um, the uh, the this you know University of South Alabama and Sea Lab, they're one of my biggest clients. Um, take them, I take. A bunch of the graduate students out every year to go catch different species uh mm -hmm. kind of go through that in just a minute but several different species so that they can put a you know a thesis together and and uh and graduate and become become phd students yeah. um so we you know the first first go round, and uh we were kind of chuckling about this on the boat a couple of weeks ago we did redfish we uh, did acoustic tagging with redfish where you know, tag them, and then we have receivers all over the place that'll pick up the acoustics. Uh, and uh, Sean Powers, who whose lab 
um, he's the PhD over the lab that I do most of the work with. He and Greg Stunts okay. um, from yeah. Yeah. Uh, from Texas, C Center, Texas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they 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 know each other very very well, and um, and the two of them communicate a lot, and that's how we've gotten a lot of the work done that we've done over here because of some of uh, some of uh, Dr. Stunts's um, uh, trial and tribulation that he's gone through over the years. So. Um, so you know, we kind of owe a lot to to, yeah, to, to to him over there. But we started with redfish, and then we did uh, speckled trout for three or four years, and and now we're on to flounder. Flounder fishing is uh, it's it was kind of tough for a couple of years, and now we're catching a bunch of them. We uh, I think we fished like 19 days last year for flounder and caught over 350 flounder. You know, it was like just unbelievable. The flounder mm -hmm. fishery is exploding right now, which is really neat to see, but. Um, is it still still super productive still oh super yeah productive? yeah heck yeah i'm uh uh you know just uh i bet this week i've fished four days this week and not even trying to target or fish for flounder i bet i've caught a dozen this this week wow you know just just uh bumping bumping grubs and tails uh yeah. you know uh for, for, for trout yeah i mean you catch it catch a flounder one cast catch a trout the next yeah. you know so that's that's been really productive been really cool to see that kind of come come back around it sounds like all the, all the long up and up and down the gulf coast that the flounder fisheries turning around but uh through all of that you know like the you know doing the acoustic tagging for for redfish and then trout and then flounder and whatnot i i kind of was one of the one of the ones that was really pushing somebody to do a tagging program in alabama you know mm -hmm. like, to get just regular dart tag yeah. uh deal going on so i was kind of one of the i guess you call me maybe the pioneer of the of yeah. the uh of the program cca um alabama funds they fund the program buying the tags and uh mm -hmm. and putting put some of the dollars up for for everything doing the classes to teach people how to how to do the tagging and then the the C Lab South Alabama, they they uh, they keep up with all the all the data, and that's that's really the hard part, you know, is keeping up with the data. You know, you got guys that are putting tags out and entering them entering them into the into the system, and then you've got recaptures, and then when you get a recapture, you've got to send the recapture angler. Yeah, like a note. You, yeah, yeah, a note, and then the and then the person who initially tagged it and keeping up with with all of that and in, in spreadsheets and stuff it's a lot of work yeah. but uh we're starting to see some cool cool trends with it you know see growth rates uh the the really cool part about the tagging program for me to see is uh fishing mortality you know what i mean after after you get a certain number of tags out there you can start to put a population size together and then you can start to see how many how many recaptures you're getting how many fish were actually taken out of the system as a whole, you know, cause mm -hmm. you can, you can start doing multipliers and things like that. These, you know, these statistics. things, statistics, yeah, statistics from it. And you can see fishing mortality, you know, and you start, and, and that's a neat way to keep up with how many fish are we as recreational fishermen taken out of the system, you know, when yeah. we're keeping them. So you can see trends like, man, are we, are we are we keeping too many or not you know are we keeping too many i guess is really it or are we at a good level you know they like to see less than five percent mortality 
um, from from catching. You know, if you put a thousand out there, you only see about fifty get caught mm-hmm. out of the thousand. That keeps the fishery good and healthy. So yeah, uh, it's pretty fun. I've, I've I've gotten top tagger every every year since um, since inception. I've I've tagged the most fish. By how many that it. Mm-hmm. Oh man, it's it's kind of one of those things that kind of starts out low, and then my uh, my my uh, my participation gets more and more and more. I started out like in the two hundred something range, and then I was getting to three, and then uh, three hundred, four hundred. Now we're in the uh, we're the fifth year. I'm going to be over six hundred this year uh, for for the past year. So mm-hmm. it uh, we're, we're putting a bunch of them out. I know I've heard you know the uh, some of the shows with your pops on there oh, yeah. <laughs> and putting out what like two hundred thirteen tags in a day or something oh, crazy. Yeah, I mean, yeah it was a- <laughs> that's insane. It, he man, but I mean, you know what it did? It, it it gave him an active role in participation back into the resource, and I think, and that was one of the questions I was thinking about that when you were answering. Uh, do you have like your guests or your your clientele? I mean, do they participate in some of the tagging, uh, or are they catching, releasing, or, or I, my my question is, uh, do some of your guests or clients actually participate in? in oh dark yeah, tagging? okay, yeah, yeah. I, I uh, you know, as as a um. As a full-time full-time guide for the mobile base system, I would say mostly mostly my clientele is a lot of local folks, um, local business owners who are uh, just entertaining clients, entertaining um, employees, things like that. So it's a lot of local folks, and a lot of those guys really dig into that kind of stuff. Yeah. And uh, man, I've gotten I mean a bunch of taggers. Um, uh, getting their own kits and catching their own Good, fish yeah. and doing it uh, just as a result of seeing me doing how excited I get it I always kind of act like the tagging thing is just my hobby to see how many yeah. I can do every year yeah. you know and I'm stupid competitive you know so did y'all do geotagging for a year I thought I remember seeing you kind of uh, where y'all kind of didn't like a uh, when I was talking, or was that acoustic tagging? Yeah, when I was talking okay. about acoustic tagging, okay. yeah, we've done a bunch of that where we did surgery surgeries on fish. Um, like I said, we started uh, with the with the uh, acoustic th- uh, tagging in in man, I can't remember all my years run together. It's yeah. probably seven eight years ago. That's probably about we started right, yeah. with that and then went to trout and then now we're we're on flounder and it's it's kind of all getting state funded too. So the state's putting in some money to try to learn and keep yeah. up with, with, with everything. But, um, me, my, as far as my, like, we're kind of, you know, the first part of that with my customers. Um, I, I mean, I keep, we keep plenty of fish on, 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 uh, on charters. Um, yeah. but I'm also doing a bunch of tagging too. I've, I've, and, uh, I know there's this big following now for like the release over 20 kind of thing. I've been doing that for, for 10 years. Yeah. Um, I, I have you not been allowing people to catch, and I wouldn't say no if somebody caught a great big giant, and it was their, you know, like a sure enough trophy fish, and they wanted to, to get a mount or something yeah. like that done. And I've had a couple guys do that, and I like follow up with them and like kind yeah, of grill them a little do, bit yeah, yeah. to make sure, you know, if you're gonna take 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 the life of one of those big, you know, great yeah. biggins like that, I think you know you need to need to do something with it. So, um, but you set a boat limit. Like size wise and yeah, yeah, like- no, none over twenty, uh, none over twenty inches, and uh, and we just had a, a, a limit reduction probably two or three years ago in Alabama from ten down to six, and even when it was ten fish, I was only allowing people to keep five or six per person. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like I've always kind of been against. <laughs> I say always, you know, in 
latter part of my guiding career i've been against like you know these big these big table shots you know of fish and whatnot just just because of uh we're fighting other things in alabama with conservation we we you know we still have like uh there's probably i think 50 gill gill net licenses still i didn't know that yeah so there's still some kind of stuff like that works against us a little bit i'm not gonna point the finger at those guys you know but um for our fishery not being better but uh not not to 50 50 guys you know what i mean but you know things like that could kind of go against you a little bit uh so yeah talking about the limit reduction and and that was definitely a topic i want to talk about so Unlike, I think, a lot of other states, right, Texas is going through somewhat of a limit revisement, I would say, where we are reducing it from five to three. We're bumping up the slot from 17 to now 23. So it basically reduced two inches on both sides. So it increased two inches from 15 to 17, reduced from 25 to 23. If I understand and have followed enough uh, from the Alabama side is that when you went through that limit reduction, uh, or the limit change, if you will, it was some extent kind of angler pushed and angler led. It, it yep. was angler want like anglers wanted this kind of l- not limit reduction, but limit revisement uh, because of why. Well, um, I got behind. I got behind it immediately, you know. And really, it was just it, it was a s- statistics thing, you know. You the the state. Um, marine resources, Alabama marine resources does a lot of surveys at the dock. You know what I mean? Where somebody pulls into a boat ramp and there'll be, uh, not an officer, you know, just someone who works at marine resources that'll come down and do a, uh, do a survey where they'll just say, Hey, you know, we, we just like to, we're, we're not, we're not checking your fish. We just like to look at your fish, do a little bit of, uh, us you know check the size on them whatnot and uh you know count your number of anglers and number of fish and see you know if if anglers are catching their limit every single time or Mm -hmm. not and they started to see that number of like you know number of anglers on the boat versus box of fish with speckled trout kind of start to recede a little bit kind of bump down Mm -hmm. a taste where they were seeing angler not all anglers going out and catching catching their limit whereas before they were Mm -hmm. And so that started to to kind of raise some eyebrows. And then, you know, uh, I know the director, you know, personally know the director of conservation for the state of Alabama and who, who was, used to be the Marine Resources Director. And I know the Marine Resources Director very well. And they, you know, they picked up the phone and they called uh, called folks like me and Aberscato and a, a few of us who were out there every day and, and, and are seeing, seeing the cycles and the trends and everything happened, and we were like, man, you know, it's not like in trouble by any means, but it's it's, it's definitely not like it was back mm-hmm. in like 2000, I don't know, 7 to 13, 14, and then we've kind of seen a little bit of a drop there, but every, every, every fishery, in my opinion, is going to see trends, you know, where you have these really good year classes of of uh of spawning you know Mm -hmm. and numbers of fish and then bad year classes you know so um we can definitely see you know just fishing wise see trends 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 in that and so the state the state brought all that up and they had uh several different public you know open forum meetings 
and uh there was you know i went to several of them there was very rarely anybody have have anything to say about not moving forward with doing a mm-hmm. doing a slot and the, the thing i really love about the slot is you think about you know we moved up from 14 inches and 10 fish to 15 inch minimum and a 22 inch maximum with only one allowed oversize um, out of your six fish and the cool thing about that to me is like you know just always been you know science always has told told us that your your fish like 18 inches and bigger are putting out just your predominant ex- spawners exponential yeah. number more eggs than yeah. than your smaller fish so that's kind of what's neat about what the slot does for speckled trout is you you really protect that bigger size fish that's just really putting out a bunch a bunch of eggs mm-hmm. every time they spawn and then you're also protecting all these numbers of fish too you know you're 15 inches and below yeah, that's your largest biomass yeah, yeah yeah so they start they start spawning at 12 inches you know to 15 inches that's like i don't know for a trout that's probably only about a like eight month period or whatever but from 12 to to fit to to 15 inches but there's so many of those every spawn cycle they're blowing out a ton of eggs too you know so it really makes a lot of sense you know and on the flip side of that with like redfish like i haven't kept a redfish or harvested a redfish on a charter in probably eight or nine years um and really science backs that up too they they don't start spawning until they're about 28 inches long you Hmm. know and uh, all your uh like limit size fish are 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 smaller than that you know 16 to 26 inches in alabama those fish have never spawned it doesn't make a lot of sense to keep one of those to me so i don't keep them yeah we let them all go South Lures has been making lures for the inshore angler for years now, and it's easy to see why. From their four-inch southern shad to their much larger DSL supermodel to the three-inch burner shad, their versatility is really in every angler's arsenal. Better yet, they're actually made here in the USA as well. So support this Texas brand that supports you, the fisherman. And next time, go check out the hashtag swims in a fall action with Down South Lure. Real Sportswear humbly started making shirts for a few local fishermen. Rooted in simplicity and utility, Real's minimalist approach is a reflection of what binds the fishing industry together. Now found throughout many coastal retailers, their lineup of comfortable and functional gear aims to make your time in the water a success. So next time you're gearing up, wear what guides wear and consider Real Sportswear. Despite its unique name, Stinky Pants Fishing has been making wade fishing gear for the Texas Angler for years. Located here in Texas, they make anything from boga floats to boxes, stringers to wade fishing straps, really anything that the inshore angler needs to make their time on the water more efficient and more effective. So check them out at stinkypantsfishing.com and get some equipment to make you a better wade fisherman. I wanna welcome Waterloo Rods as our season three's newest sponsor. Located in Victoria, Texas, Waterloo builds some of the most functional rods for any inshore application. Whether you're in the market for a carbon mag, an HP light, or a slam mag, or their salinity series, definitely check them out. Also, check out their Waterloo Pro Shop, which carries most, if not everything, that the inshore angler needs here along the Texas coast. So next time you're in the market for a rod, definitely check out Waterloo Rods, and you might as well fish the best. Mirror Lure is an iconic brand found in almost every inshore angler's arsenal, from their 17 or 27 MRs 
to the mirror mullet or the top dog, even their soft plastic lineup, as well as the Paul Brown series fat boys. These lures have been trusted by many anglers across the Gulf Coast and beyond. So next time you're out there looking to fire up a bite, remember, tie on a mirror lure and turn on the bite. Texas Custom Lures and the original Custom Corky are back again for season three sponsors and we couldn't be more appreciative. These lures and colors, which are produced by some of the most renowned anglers up and down the Texas coast have been producing for decades. So whether it's a Double D or a Fat Boy Floater, and Plum Nasty, Texas Turnip, just to name a few, remember next time you're looking for that next big bite, the big girls aren't colorblind. The reason I find that fascinating and, and was following along was especially it's somewhat relevant now because in Texas, again, <clears throat> kind of going uh, to a revised slot because the cool thing I like about it is we had an event in Texas Parks and Wildlife, I feel, you know, being fairly proactive and I went and listened to what uh, Texas Parks and Wildlife and what they had to say. I went to the open hearings and stuff like that. To some extent, it, it actually made a lot of sense to me, and I'm certainly not a know-it-all in any way, shape, or form, but I understand the intent, and the intent you can kind of see is fairly clear, which is we had a, I say a large kill event, we had a kill event uh, in Texas, and so what happened is, is when they, you know, we had a kill event, what they're trying to do, and they set a expiration date for plus one year, so in 23, they're it automatically reverts back to the current uh, size limit. And for this particular year, they're going to adjust it and revise it and, and modify it. And you can see, since they're going from 15 currently to 17 and then reducing on the back end, what they're doing is, yeah, they're protecting that kind of largest biomass of fish. And so even though they're maybe not the most predominant spawners, and that's where I've heard a lot of conversation where, now Texas Parks and Wildlife is really focusing on harvest of your predominant spawners from 17 to 23, which you, to some extent, can't debate. Uh, but, again, it has an expiration date. I feel that they're trying to just jumpstart the fishery back into production, right? Yeah. So we, we lost a lot of fish. Now we have kind of this large biomass of fish. They're going to spawn from that 12 to 17-inch range. They might even get a full spawning cycle before harvest size, maybe even a second one if they're, uh, you know, uh, just a slow grower genetically, whatever it is. Uh, the point there is that large biomass fish is dumping a, a bunch of eggs into a fishery, jumpstart it back up again, kill that expiration date and get back to it. Man, the polarity of people for and against is un is insane oh yeah and, yep. and so that's why it's refreshing to some extent to hear from an alabama side that it was like hey anglers are like hey, we kind of get it man yeah, like well, that makes sense to us and let's go yeah the uh the i tell you the funny part about that in alabama was like it's like and what i said was 100 percent true you know as far as like all the public meetings and hearings and stuff the people who showed up were showing up for conservation. And then, of course, it got passed. And then the there's hater, there, yeah, the, you, those, you know, yeah, the meat haulers. <laughs> I guess we'll call them the Karens or whatever, yeah. you know, came out in full force and wanted to uh, wanted to fuss about it, you know, and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, you know, I, for the most part, I think it was a good move. Um, that's interesting. The uh, I, I've been I've been watching and 
watching the text the whole Texas uh saga happen with the with the freeze and the kill and all that and uh it's they're man trout and reds and these uh uh they're really resilient fish um and it's really interesting to see it already kind of not really like bounce back to anywhere oh. where it was but uh but you know it's 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 come back up people are still catching fish still doing their thing um one thing i you know you had me thinking about with the free with you know with your freeze thing that y'all dealt with down there man one of the best years that i can absolutely ever remember uh trout fishing was right when i started was right at the oil spill they shut the we shut the waters down in Alabama, like where they said there was no, no fishing. There yeah. was no fishing, and I, you know, I don't remember if, you know, they were just saying no keeping fish or no, whatever. Because no we had we had no in Louisiana because mm-hmm. I lived here in Biloxi when it happened. There were parts, there were zones, right that you that yeah you couldn't fish were shut in. down. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the years following that were, I mean, just unbelievable years and it was uh, i don't know i it's hard to it's hard to always point the finger at one you know put your finger on one thing that it was was that were those some really was that like one of the best year classes of uh of reproduction that we ever saw or was it the fact that there was nobody fishing nobody keeping fish or what would it uh, i'm i'm really not i'm just one not to point the finger at one one thing because there's a bunch of things that affect all that affect fish yeah. you know you got you know just pressure weather salinity i mean there's a zillion things that affect them so so i'll, I'll kind of not one up that but i'll kind of in line with that after katrina in louisiana um man just total devastation plaquemines parish right you know we you had a camp in Happy Jack in Port Sulphur, Louisiana, down in LA 23. Um, and pretty much south of there, that's where kind of Katrina made landfall. Uh, a lot of people, you know, know about New Orleans and stuff like that. Well, yeah. So the suburbs and New Orleans got demolished, and, and everybody was dealing with insurance claims and flooding and remodeling. And, and then south of that, LA 23, pogey boats were like, three miles inland right. i mean it just shut down the commercial bad. um uh like shrimp uh again pogey boats grabbing uh, all that everything. stuff right everything shut down dude god fishing all that 2006 i mean you could have like licked your finger put it in the air and wherever the wind blew you just went there and absolutely demolished them yep i'd never seen so many fish in my life ever and you could go wherever you wanted and kill them. And the crazy thing is, I was like really about one year leaning off a fishery because nobody's commercially harvesting fin bait fish, fin fish, uh, all that stuff. And then nobody's putting pressure or recreationally harvesting other things. And do Mother Nature was like, okay, boom, like steroid mm-hmm. injected a fishery just loaded with fish and it was the fish and you can ask any louisiana angler that's fished right after katrina it was unbelievable so i definitely believe year following bp no pressure again to your point not a lot of people are out there commercially harvesting and doing things it's hard to point that finger but dude you can't deny that leaning off of it a little bit mother nature is resilient which is yeah point. yeah that's one thing that's one little trend we've seen with the flounder with uh with flounders ever since 2010 it's been a down fishery for a long time and not only until 
this past year have we seen it i mean it's skyrocketed you know like we went our first year i think we got like you know 60 like in the 60 to 70 tags out in you know we were trying to tag 14 inch fish or better with flounder um we got like 67 the next year uh 2020 was really tough uh, and then we saw uh, – Was that because of fishing pressure? Because fishing was off the charts. I mean yeah, – I, I know it, yeah. Like I said, it's hard to put the finger on yeah. what it was, you know. And then after uh, – at the same time that Alabama did the, uh, the, the, the trout limit change, we did one to flounders too. Flounder went from a 12-inch minimum, 10-inch fish – no, 12-inch fish – uh, 10 total. Ten, yeah, ten, yeah. Ten, 10 fish per person at 12 inches okay. to 14 and 5 fish. And 14 inches and 5 fish. And then the other big thing they did was they did uh, – they limited commercial trips to 40 fish per per, per boat. Hmm. You know, and and I, I, I kind of think that's the thing that really maybe made it uptick uh, with, the, with the fisheries, maybe the commercial limit because the guys, you know, the gig – you know, there's just a – a bunch of people that are like uh, guiding, gigging yeah. uh, with commercial licenses, and uh, like I said, we mentioned gill nets earlier and whatnot, and they shut it down in the month of November, and then you see this freaking number just go crazy. Yeah, uh, cr that is crazy. I mean, we I mean, literally, response. literally last year, the last year compared to the previous two years, we caught more than triple the number of uh, almost. Tri uh, Actually, we caught more than double the number of flounder than the two years before previous combined, if that makes any yeah, sense. no, absolutely. I mean, uh, unbelievable. And I tell you, the really cool thing about the flounder deal was we uh, we we tagged like uh uh, you know, last not uh not this past fall, but the fall before last, we tagged a bunch of like twelve and uh, thirteen inch flounder with just a dart tag, no uh, no no yeah, acoustic, acoustic tag. Yeah. And got got recapture reports. Two hundred and thirty days after we tagged a twelve-inch flounder, it was eighteen inches and three pounds. Damn. I mean, they yeah. they grow really fast. It's really cool. Did y'all get any really cool recapture trout uh, uh, or trout recaptures? Yeah, that uh, we get we get a bunch of we get a bunch of trout recaps. Um, I've actually recapped a couple of my own trout, which is kind of okay. rare for me. Um, same I, spot, same. Uh, some of it was, I remember, uh, last, uh, not this past, uh, past summer in 2021, but in 2020, I tagged, uh, some fish by Dolphin Island bridge and recaptured one like two months later, um, at Dolphin Island bridge. But like I caught the first one in deep water and caught the second one, you know, caught recaptured him in shallow water, but yeah. only like, only like less than. I don't know, less than a quarter mile away from each other, yeah. you know. Um, what was the growth rate? Did you? I met like an in, like an inch, okay. yeah. like about an inch or so, something like that. I want to say it was like twenty inches the first time I caught him, and met getting closer to twenty one inches, ish. Um, redfish, I, I've recaptured a bunch of my own reds that I've tagged and then and then recaught. Um, hmm. The funny thing about redfish is uh, I've caught. A bunch of reds, like tagged, caught one, tagged it, released it, and then caught it right in the exact same spot in a couple of them. I mean, I'm talking about a couple, uh, several of them. Caught them like on the same dock pilings or something like yeah. that. Like, 
I was gonna, I thought you were uh, gonna say like a day later. No, well, I mean, uh, I had the I think the closest. Uh, well, I did catch a uh, I did catch one trout uh, three times in four days. <laughs> oh my god! See, I was gonna make that comment of like genuine stupidity of a redfish, but oh well, crap. Yeah, uh, I've lost that because it, yeah, a trout caught. Well, this little trout I caught was only like 16 inches long too. But I uh, he's eager. Uh, oh yeah, I went. I think I took my uh, little girls fishing on my uh, my birthday, and uh, we caught a bunch of trout. And I tagged this fish, and I went back on a charter the next day and caught the fish in the exact same spot. Re- recaptured him, and I tagged him again. I'll put we'll put double tags and yeah. trout in in both species trout and red sometimes just to uh to see tag retention if they stay in yeah, no, that makes and sense. then uh and then I, I think i took a day off and i came back the day after that on a charter and caught the same fish again and it um, and you could just call it the same spot it was like 100 yards you know yeah, down yeah, the yeah. bank but in the exact same spot in the mobile river <laughs> it's crazy but uh, the, the when it get back to redfish, redfish men seem to love, they're like homebodies. Like I said, you'll catch one on a dock, come back and you'll catch them in the same dock or same area. Or, uh, and I've even seen like where I tied one like in September and recapture him like in, uh, in the same spot, like in April or May where they wintered there or yeah. something. And then I've also tagged them and, uh, had them swim to Pensacola or over to Biloxi no or something, you know, like slot size fish, which, God, I don't know. I just think about slot slot size fish being homebodies, you know. But yeah. it's it's really neat to see some of those no uh, some of those some of those tagging recaptures are are wild, you know. And yeah. most of the time, I usually know who recaptures my fish or something. So you heard the the Doc Greg Stuns podcast I did, and that was what was fascinating to me, man. I mean, honestly, that was probably admittedly kind of one of my favorites in in terms of like it was the most enlightening. Um, and so obviously my dad's participated a lot in the dart tagging program, tag Louisiana, and he's had, he's recaptured a lot of his own fish. I say a lot, but he's only getting 4% return, uh, on his fish of recapture. You know, when you're talking 12,000, that's, that's a lot of fish, but that's not a, that's not a lot of fish if, if you know what I'm saying. But the point there was, um, yeah, he would recapture his, but many of his would be in the same spot. And so listening to Doc Greg Stuns in that, he's like, man, when we did the geotagging, we found that, yes, those fish were caught and recaptured in the same spot months later. You know, genuine understanding would say, well, they probably just stayed there, right? The environment, I actually said that the environment was probably healthy enough. They had enough food to eat. It was comfortable, da 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 he said in that month time frame, I mean, they were like pinging all the different transponders through Laguna Madre oh, yeah. up all, to 12 miles a day. Oh, yeah. But that, yet they were recaptured in the same spot. So it's crazy from a scientific perspective of how they put all that stuff together. Um, and that's when one of the fascinating things that uh, I kind of learned a lot about was I think his name was Heath, Heath Kelly. You may or may not know the name. I do know. I know Heath. Yeah. So he he caught like a, I want to say a, almost a ten pound. Yeah, exactly. It was yep. like a 29, 28, 29, almost ten pound fish in a in a rodeo. Yeah, was the, it? It uh, wasn't our tournament. Okay, okay. It was in a um, 
in a uh, in another little speckled trout tournament. I think I called Spectator. you on that. I'm like, dude, do you know anybody at Alabama DMR or something like that? Because he wants to have the otolith cut out or something like that, or or they can use the fish because he kept it because it was a tournament. Um, and I'm like, dude, may as well make a, a replica and make good use of the actual fish itself and turn in the otolith, and that way they can do it. And dude, so when I was like, my understanding was is when they studied the otolith. They could look at the growth rings. That's right. On the otolith. Yep. And they can determine, like, hey, at year four, based off of this and the isotopes and all that stuff, like, it was, yeah, up the Mobile River or out at Dolphin Island. Right. During, yeah, so, I'm like, uh, holy crap, are you serious? Like, yeah, you can do that? I mean, it's, it's, it's wild. So, the first time I heard about, like, uh, they call that um, – I can't remember the the first part of it, but it's the chemistry, the chemistry of of what they can see in the otolith, right? So the otolith is the ear bone, and they cut that ear bone, and then it's like looking at a tree, right? Yeah. Like a tree trunk when you when you cut a tree, and you can see the growth rings, and then they can look at the chemistry inside each one of those rings, and see the salinity levels in in it. That's you know, crazy. it kind of started with. Uh, Actually, somebody who's here with us today that I met with uh, for for uh, for the Alabama Deep Sea Fishing Radio, uh, Marcus Dryman. He's uh, he's the he's the shark guy. He's like the okay. he's the Degum uh, uh, Jacques Cousteau of uh, of sharks. <laughs> you know, he's like yeah. on Degum Shark Week and stuff. He's he's with Mississippi State down here at the, um, the Gulf Coast Research. Yep, right? that's okay. right. And uh, he so he's he is just he is a shark nerd, and he he was one of the first people to look at the the chemistry uh in in their uh in their odorless and see like bull sharks how they'll go into freshwater environments and uh saltwater environments and will kind of flip flop back and forth and it's crazy what you can learn from from their from their habits i guess as they grow yeah uh through all that it's (laughs) it's it's neat it's refreshing to hear you know um i mean you're a full-time guide you know and you're taking maybe a personal active role in understanding more about a fish species of fish, redfish, flounder, trout being active in like dart tagging and tagging programs and different things that are going on in the state. Um, do you have, I mean, do you kind of take the opportunity to teach your guests or clients, uh, about some of these things like, Hey, this is an otolith or, you know, like just exactly what we're talking about here. Uh, and have you actually ever kind of conceptualized that? Like, have you ever thought about that? About how much, like, how much you've learned? Because yeah. this is a fishing podcast. <laughs> we haven't talked about a line, lore, rod. I reel, know, I know. That's what's that's, that's what's, what's great cool. about that's yeah. what's great about this show. Uh, about your show is uh, no, I really hadn't thought about it until you just said it right there. But um, but <laughs> honestly, as much time as I've spent with these graduate students who like are going and, and get, yeah, I know. And I, I just about, I've just about got all the lingo down and know yeah. all the, all the trends and everything. Heck, it probably wouldn't be that hard to get my PhD. I could be Captain Dr. Richard Rutland <laughs> by the, by, by at some point, you yeah. know, but, uh, I, I do, I talk about it all the time. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm wide open. I'm just like, just absolute, absolute fish head, you know, to the fullest degree catching them uh letting them go eating them uh putting clients on them teaching them about it all that um uh, and a bunch of times I, t- I tell you some cool stories or a bunch of times uh you, you were talking about recaptures earlier 
Um, sometimes when it's like guys who come with me all the time or somebody I like, really like on the boat or something like that, I'll write their name down next to a fish they caught that we tagged and let go. Um, cause man, I tell you, it's sometimes, some days being a guide, it's hard. It's hard to let a fish go, uh, when you got a tough day, um, you know, not, not catching a bunch of fish and you catch one over 20. I'm like, nope, nope, not doing, not, I'm not, I'm not going to keep one. You know what I mean? We're, yeah. Uh, I, I really, I really stand tall on that, and I've probably lost a lot of business over the years by, by making some guys let some fish go. I've gotten some dirty emails from some clients after after the fact and whatnot. And uh, man, I really believe in that. Uh, you know, I, it, one thing I always say: man, you take care of the fish; they're gonna take care of you. You know, I kind of would say I'm like, you know. Uh, gonna carry karma believing in karma to the grave with me you know but I do I do believe in it you know because one thing one thing Captain Bobby always says you know we hadn't really talked a whole lot about let's talk about uh, him. yeah we hadn't talked a whole lot about him man but uh, I can hear him I can hear Captain Bobby talking to me in my mind like I hear my dad talking to me you know who who passed away about seven or eight years ago you know uh He's like one of my dads. He's my mentor. Now he's my daggum tournament partner. He's the, I remember just being 12 years old and thinking, man, that's what I want to do when I grow up. You know, yeah. I want to be that guy right there, you know, and I've, I don't know how the heck I've gotten there, but yeah. uh, I hear him talking about all the different things we come up with to catch fish, you know, talking about like lures, line, rods, reels, technology, electronics, uh, all these apps, you know, where we're looking at so lunar periods and yeah. uh, uh, look, being able to just see the conditions to a T, what they're doing as far as your tide and wind and all these tools we have. He's like, man, it's so cool to see all these tools and have all these tools because he's seen he's been guiding for 30, 40 years, you know, and uh, and fishing even longer than that. And he's like, man, nobody does anything for the fish. You know what I mean? There's a lot of people doing things to help us catch more fish, but who's doing something for the fish, you yeah. know? And that, golly, that yeah. rolls in my brain yep. all the time, especially like when I find some fish with my side scan, yeah. you know, my side imaging or use my electronics or some some type of electronic device other than just my rod tip, you know, yeah. to, uh, to find some fish. I always think, man, you know, so who, somebody needs to do something for the fish, you know? So, uh, but, man, he... He has been uh, he's been such an inspiration to me and been saying and doing all these things before I started doing them. And uh, I mean, was was doing all this, uh, you know, 15, 20 years ago uh, was incorporating like only being only allowing his customers to keep half the limit. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It was 10 for forever. He don't let everybody keep keep five per person or yeah. a, you know, have a boat limit. You had like four or five people on the boat, only keeping fifteen or twenty fish. You know, yeah. and uh, if people wanted to go in like a meat hall or something like that, putting them on like you know another species, like some white trout or yeah. some puppy drum or something like that. Um, so he he's just been a huge in inspiration, yeah. and uh, and now that we're tournament fishing together, man, I just I, I just I know I just couldn't think of a uh, couldn't. I, I couldn't be in a better spot as yeah. far as well he's a, so for folks who don't know captain bobby Averscato, I actually i do want to get bobby on the, on the show um i don't quite know bobby well man you, set you, it up bro you need to uh, man he, but, he, he's I mean, a legend like the like some of these other guys that have come yeah. before me you know, i mean we've, we've fished enough against each other i've seen him enough i'd interact I, I don't know if you remember me or not but my point is 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 uh yeah i think 
I really would like to get him on here. And I know he was a big trout guy. He's a big trout guru, especially in lower Alabama. Um, and so to kind of have um, him as a mentor, him as like a, yeah, again, a tournament partner, man, you learn so much just listening. Every time. And even just listening to some of the podcasts, you know, I've been able to do with the, the Rouseys of the world and Watkins and all these cats, right? Uh, just listening. Like, I'm a sponge, man. Just listening to them talk about what maybe what the fishery was, where they're at currently. Yes, understanding how they roll, they fit into a, a guide role in science and that kind of gap, bridging the gap between, you know, again, Texas Parks and Wildlife and a, and a, and a client. Man, it, they just get it. They just get it. And, and so to hear and listen and understand that role is pretty awesome. So that's awesome that you have that. And so, Bobby, now, in your mind, uh, and maybe speaking maybe to some extent on his behalf, but, like, how do you do you think the Mobile Bay speckled trout fishery is getting better? Or, or maybe some stories of old of how it was and what it is now or what it's going to, you know, going into? Thoughts on that? Part of that is kind of like, man, we're always talking about the old days, you know what yeah. I mean? Like back in the day, you know, uh, but I, you know, I think we're, um, like I said, we just, uh, I, we really notice these trends, you know, you have really up years and down years. And I think uh, I was actually, I'll be real frank. I was really worried about the trout fishery um after 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 winter after winter fishing in the in the tidal rivers last year yeah i was i was real worried whether they're gonna show up show up in the spring or not you know like i was i was real concerned and then springtime came around it was like we were finding these giant schools of fish and and they were biting good and finding really good size and i i and i think that that's part of what the state did with with the limp you know in in you know uh implementing the slot in reduction in bag limit and whatnot and i think we're starting to see the repercussions i you know the uh you know the repercussions of that being good yeah. uh I, I think we're on an uptrend uh good. as far as as far as the, the fishery goes in alabama and there's really a lot of people are starting to kind of kind of get a, get more in line and in tune with with conservation yeah you've seen a lot you of feel guys. like it's coming around i do i do and i wouldn't say it's ever been in trouble by any means yeah, yeah, you yeah. know um like save the trout you know but i mean yeah just like we were talking i was talking to some guys that came by the booth and it's like you know what man like we we're talking about like you know growing up in southeast louisiana they were from fushon uh down off la1 and you know growing up in in port sulfur and we we're talking about you know how yeah okay louisiana is probably going to change the limit at some point and they're like man you know what it's kind of overdue you know and just thinking back you know to how much I guess we've we've taken from that but really it's because we never knew there was an alternative not to say that you had to again release absolutely everything but at least you're being open-minded and like I was telling them I'm like hell man if you want to catch a limit and you fish one day a week or you fish one day a month or whatever it is and you keep let's say 15 of your 25 man you'll never hear Pete from me when you go five straight days and keep 25 and max out that limit yeah. just for a, oh, a social yeah. media photo that's where let's have that discussion right that's probably a little bit too much so where is that kind of delicate balance you know and and now that we're i think it's socially to some extent maybe acceptable um and this guy caught that 12 
you know, was it 12-8-3, the new North Carolina oh, State yeah. record? That was a hammer. You know, you see, I mean, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Maybe kind of pull that back a little bit. But, man, a guy caught a freaking state record, you know, and he's getting congratulated and lambasted oh, because he, he kept the fish. Just like, oh, my gosh. I like, know. I, I look at where some is of, that at? Dude? I know. I look at some of these, I look at some of these, uh, some of these, some of these group, these Facebook groups and Speckle you know, Truth you, groups, one of them, man, it, it was pretty, pretty bad. I had to turn yeah, off the comments. You see a, you see a bunch, yeah. a bunch of the bashing, you know, uh, you know, and that's, that's not, um, for that guy, for whoever that guy is that catches these giant fish, and you got a bunch of guys who bash him, you know what I'm saying? You're not going to change that guy's mind by doing that to him. You know, all you can do is 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 put out there um, how that's going to improve the fishery or 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 whatnot to. To, to release that fish, you know, and then, you know, there's a bunch of different thought processes with that, th you know, whether that fish was what, uh, 33 and a half inches yeah. out of North Carolina. How many years did that fish have left after that? Probably not that many. Um, but, uh, but still, um, it's, it's going to do a lot more good in the water than it is on land. I wouldn't say I wouldn't keep it to get a state record either, but if I did catch that fish, what would you uh, do? If, if I did catch that fish, I've got a great – I've got really good live well on my boat. That fish will be going in the live well, and I'll be doing whatever I could to take care of that fish, get it to a certified Spot scale, scale. Yep. And, and, and do it, do a lot, do a live weight, a live weight and, and then try to make a release. I mean, that'd be – that story to me, man, would be oh, like – that'd be right? story of the century. You know, you catch a state record fish and then and – then It swims the, off. Yeah, yeah, and then let the fish go. That, that would be the most amazing thing, but – you know, it, it, every, every, every man is their own and I'm not, I'm not gonna, you know, like I, like I was talking about earlier, like I don't keep redfish. I haven't done it forever. And I have all my friends and guide buddies and all this who will talk about res and they're always like, they always make sure to say, Oh, well, I didn't keep, I didn't keep any of them. I let them all go. And I'm like, man, I know you put them in the box. I don't care. You know what yeah. I mean? But I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. Yeah. To to make that fishery better, you know. So I'm not here to judge anybody by any means. Yeah, you're uh, just trying to influence yeah, who you can that, and what you can. That's right. That's exactly right. You know what I mean? And and especially the one thing I always lean on, like what we've been talking about for most of this, is science. You know what I mean? You, you kind of always kind of revert back to that. You know, you think about age and growth and uh, how these fish grow and when they start reproducing and when they're the most uh, when they're the most um, I guess um, uh, bountiful to, to 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 keep reproducing. I mean, that's that's the little things you can do to 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 make the fishery better and yeah. whatnot. But like I said, I, I I got nothing negative to say to any of those guys, you know, yeah. and it, and nothing good's ever going to come of it if you do either. You know, you're yeah. just going to start an uproar. It's just yeah. it's 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 a lose lose situation when you go about it like that. All you can do is just put put positivity out there and hope that you'll get it back. Everyone, hope you enjoyed the part one of this part two episode with Captain Richard Rutland from Mobile. Again, I want to give a huge shout out to our sponsors, Real Sportswear, Stinky Pants Fishing, Waterloo Rods, Down South Lures, Texas Custom Lures, and the original Custom Corky, as well as Mirror Lure. So again, show them some love. We really appreciate their support. And until next time, guys, remember tight lines, God bless, and take what you need and release the rest. God bless.